Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. I think the living Lord leads in even another hand after that. Amen. Can we just thank him for that? It's great to be with you today. It was great to be together last Sunday. I don't know about you, but I enjoyed being all together with our church family. Amen. From the pancake breakfast, kicking it off, to baptisms, to just hearing people's story and their journey in Jesus Christ, and seeing the kids sing, and uh, man, all kinds of guests. It was a snapshot of what God has to come. Amen, Encounter? Snapshot of what God has to come. Well, I'm thankful to be with you today, and thank you for every person that God has brought here now, I want you to know that I'm really enjoying living in Ventura. Amen? I'm just really enjoying it. You know, I came from a much hotter region of California, and one of the things that we really enjoy, of the many things that we enjoy, is sometimes at night, when we're going to bed, we'll open our window wide and let that cool, crisp air come in in the evening. And this last week with the rain that one night... Oh, man, no, no water came in the house, but man, it just, just felt so good and life-giving. Just a little bit of taste of heaven with that clean air coming in. And today, we are going to talk about opening the windows of heaven. And not us opening the windows of heaven, but God opening the windows of heaven. We're going to do so by looking at one of the most cherished events that is recorded in the scriptures it's a story found in Mark chapter 12 about this incredible woman who knows a thing or two about the Lord, knows a thing or two about living a life of worship and trusting God to open the windows of heaven. Sometimes we refer to her story in the Bible as the widow's might. Anybody ever heard of her? The widow's might. And she's a woman who's forever remembered in the scripture for her heart of generosity that Jesus noticed one day at the temple in worship when nobody else was noticing her. The Gospel of Mark tells her story. The Gospel of Luke tells her story as well. And through this passage, we're going to be invited to trust a promise from God about generosity. And it's a promise, I'll just let you know up front, that will bother some, bring joy to others, and yet is guaranteed to bless all who follow it. It's a command that's found in Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. And this is the promise from the Lord. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Can I hear an amen encounter, family? You know, I know a lot of times when pastors talk about giving or talk about generosity, they feel a need to apologize and uh, tell everybody. We don't usually talk about these things in church, but I'm not going to do that today. Because Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 is a heavenly promise, and it is a good promise, and it leads to fullness in life in Jesus Christ. And my hope today is not to undersell it, not to oversell it, but to let Jesus Christ be the God of his promise for his church. Have you ever wanted to open the windows of heaven? Have you ever wanted to open the windows of heaven? 
I, I don't mean necessarily financially speaking, but I mean in lives changed around you. In walking in the deepness of your own walk with the Lord, of living a life that's more on the eternal side of life than on the temporal side of life. Well, God tells us how in these verses, and so I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to pray and just ask God to lead us in living with His life and with His heart. We're going to be in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. If you're a guest with us, uh, you can always find the electronic notes as you walk into the worship center. There's a QR code. You scan that, and it brings up the electronic notes. They're also on the sides of the room if you didn't get them on the way in. And we always put it on the screen. This is Mark chapter 12, verse 41. I'm going to read the Lord's living word for us today, and then we're going to pray together. And he sat down opposite the treasury, speaking of Jesus... And he watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him, and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything that she had, all she had to live on. Would you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you for this moment to worship you right now. And we do want to say thank you for last Sunday and just a special Sunday. Have you given us a preview of things yet ahead as you work in lives? Father, we thank you for every person in this room. We thank you for anyone joining us online. And we ask you to work a wonder in us through the power of your living spirit. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Please be seated. You know, as you know, when uh, someone passes away, it's common to have someone else write an obituary about their life. And sometimes they're put in the newspaper, sometimes you put them on social media, but an obituary is where someone writes about someone else, tells you who they were, and some of the highlights from their life. And some of you may remember the story of Alfred Nobel. He was a Swedish chemist who used his ingenuity and created this thing called dynamite and other explosives, and governments around the world began to buy this creation that he had created, and they produced all kinds of weapons, and he made all kinds of money. And one day, a, his brother passed away, and one of the local newspapers in the town that he lived in actually got the facts wrong and thought it was Alfred who had passed away and not his brother who had passed away. And so the local newspaper published Alfred's obituary the next morning. And he woke up, opened the newspaper, and had the very unusual privilege of reading his own obituary. And in the newspaper that day was an article talking about someone who had used his ingenuity to create something that many, many people used to destroy other lives around them in unprecedented numbers. 
And Alfred, as he read his obituary, it had a profound impact him. And right then and there, he decided to use all the future proceeds of his income and his money from his science and from his chemistry and from his ingenuity to help mankind instead of to destroy mankind. And that is where we get today what we know about that we call the Nobel Peace Prize. True story. Most people do not get a chance to edit their obituary. And we just usually don't get that. We're usually stuck with what life has to say about us. But on occasion, we read about someone who was evaluated, who has long since passed, and gives us an example to follow and an opportunity to change our lives. And such is the story of this amazing woman found in just a couple little verses in Mark chapter 12, who's described as this poor widow. We don't know her name. And this widow who gives a fraction of a penny to God is remembered forever in the scriptures because of an act of generosity that everyone around her didn't notice. But Jesus, who was in the temple that day, paused long enough to notice And her story takes place in Jerusalem, in the temple, in this area of the temple in Jerusalem that was known as the Court of Women. And in the Court of Women, history tells us there were these 13 treasuries. They were basically chests, and they had these like metal, almost trumpet-like openings where as people came into the temple, they would put their taxes. I'm really glad I don't have to collect your taxes, by the way. But they would put their taxes, and they would put their offerings and their gifts to the Lord. And as people would put their offerings into these treasuries, as their coins would go into these offering chests, it would make noise, like ding, 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 you know, as it went down, almost like a slot machine, if you can imagine. And this is where Jesus shows up and he takes special interest in how people are treating this aspect of their worship that day. Now I want you to know that this all takes place just a few days before the Passion Week. Just before, literally days before the week where Jesus would be crucified and where he would die for our sin. And so this event is one of the final moments that he has to confront the false religion around him and to invite people into a living relationship with God through the example of this great woman. Look at verse 41 with me. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. Jesus sits down opposite the treasury. That word opposite, it literally means over and against. So I want you to imagine this. Jesus positions himself right in front of the offering boxes so that he can see everything that is going on. Can you imagine the audacity of God to watch what we give? I mean, how, how dare him? I mean, why is Jesus doing this? And why hang out in the treasury just eight or nine days before he would be crucified, just days before he would be grabbed by the guards, wrongly tried, crucified on that cross for our sins to show his love for us. Of all the things that Mark and Luke could mention in the final days, in the final hours, the final minutes of Jesus' life, why does he mention, why do they mention this story about this woman's generosity? And he's wanting us to discover through her example that following him is not about a religion filled with spiritual transactions, but it is about a living relationship filled with love. Amen? Amen? Now, I want you to notice 
that this woman actually gives more than the principle of the tithe. Uh, the principle of the tithe in the Bible, it it's basically goes like this, that God gives us 100% of what he has, and he instructs us to give 10% back towards the local church, towards the greater mission of God and the kingdom around the world. And somehow she knew the depth of what God promises in Malachi about opening heavenly windows and about pouring down blessings. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing for you until there is no more need. God not only wants to open windows, he wants to pour down blessings. And he wants to do it so badly that he actually challenges us to put him to the test on it. And I read that and I wonder to myself, I wonder what open windows from heavens means. I wonder what blessings he wants to pour down. I wonder if we'll trust him enough to find out. And one thing is certain, this unnamed widow knew all of those things. She knew that giving connects our circumstances to God, no matter what our circumstances are. And God's word actually identifies some contrasts that are going on. And we read it in verse 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. And it says, Jesus observed the crowd. So basically, there are many, many people of great wealth and this one poor widow. Many, many people of great resources and this one lonely, solitary, really marginalized figure. And God understood her financial situation, the circumstances from which she gave, and God understands our circumstances. He knows our circumstances. He knows if we're unemployed. He knows if we're underemployed. He knows if we're well-employed. He knows if we spent ourselves into great indebtedness. He knows if we're working two and a half jobs and barely getting by. And he knows when gas costs five or six dollars a gallon. He knows when a carton of eggs is six dollars at the grocery store. He knows that when you go to the store and you're buying little thin sliced deli meats and you get the big package and it costs nine dollars and then you choose to get PB&J instead. He knows these things and he sees these things. Jesus saw this woman's circumstances and she was poor. And that word in the Bible that is poor, it doesn't just mean moderately poor. It means she was destitute. She was impoverished. She was broke. She was helpless. And she's bringing her offering to the Lord with gladness and with joy. And she knew God is the one who opens windows and pours out blessings however he chooses to do so. And I want you to notice that Malachi does not say when God will or how God will pour out those blessings, whether it's now or whether it's in eternity. But I would want us to know it. it does appear that part of that blessing does appear to come now. Now, I know that when it comes to the principle of the tithe, and it, it, some people argue that it's not applicable today because we're under the covenant of grace. Yeah, I would say if there's one crystal clear verse in the New Testament where under the covenant of grace we're invited to live in the principle of the tithe, it's Matthew 23, 23, where God says this, 
Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So Jesus addresses tithing as something so understood, it's almost not worth mentioning. He says, yes, we are free from the Old Testament law. Amen? Jesus has fulfilled the law. He says, yes, we are invited to live under the higher standard of grace, which calls us actually into a freer and a deeper walk in the Lord, where really the tithe is almost like a biblical starting place of generosity, where the tithe, essentially what Jesus is saying, is like the baseline of generosity. He says, but however, justice and mercy and faithfulness are the deep stuff of life in Christ. Amen? The New Living Translation says it this way, you should tithe, yes, but you should not leave undone the more important things. Giving connects our circumstances to God. Giving also connects our finances to worship. Now, I, I didn't really notice this till recently in my life, but this event that Mark records of this poor widow who is giving her offering in church this, on this particular day, it follows in Mark chapter 12, Jesus talking about the greatest commandment, where Jesus says, man, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. And then Mark, he starts contrasting, and he mentions the scribes and the Pharisees who almost pretend to live lives of worship through the giving of their tithes. And he's comparing them to the hearts of this woman who gives these two small pennies to the Lord that day. And it may not have ever occurred to us before, but I don't know if you've thought about this, but God actually knows what we give. He does. God actually knows how generous we are. When we walk by people who are in need around us. You know, the NIV says it this way, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Jesus makes note of what her gift is, what this woman gave. He sees the content of her gift, and he sees how the content of her gift reflects her heart. And I want you to think about what money and giving are for a moment, because money is basically where you take the energy of your life and you compress it into the coinage of the day, all right? So basically, you take all the things that God's blessed you with, your opportunities, your abilities, your education, your training, your time, and it gets compressed as you work into the coinage of the day, and generosity is then where you take a part of that, and you give it back towards the Lord, towards the greater kingdom work to the glory of God. And verses like Revelation chapter 4, verse 11 remind us all that everything that we have is from the Lord. In fact, the Bible couldn't be more clear. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11 says, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. God, the Bible says, is the creator and the originator of everything. You know, I've learned that when it comes to the creation of everything, that there's basically two different opinions of how everything got created. There's the man's view and the woman's view, all right? The man's view of creation goes like this. God created the beasts, and then he created man, and then he rested, right? Then he created woman, and neither beast nor man have rested since. <laughs> Hold on, let me redeem myself. 
You're all worried for me right now. But the woman's view of creation goes like this. God created man, took one look at him and said, I could do so much better than that. And he created woman. Amen, women of encounter. All right. Yeah, we give the Lord a hand about that. Whatever you believe, God is the creator of everything. And everything we have is placed in our hands as stewards to hold for him. And so Jesus calls his disciples to him. And he says, hey. Huddle up, team. You're never going to believe what I just saw. There were all these people of great resources pretending to worship God through giving, but there was this one poor widow, and she gave these two small little copper coins, and her gift was the sweetest gift to the Lord that day in church. And Jesus sits close enough to see this woman give these two small copper coins. It's why this story is sometimes called the widow's mite. Uh, do you know what a mite is? You know, you don't know? It's one of those little bugs, you find them in your bed sometimes. No, no that's not what it is. A mite is basically, in the Greek world, the smallest coinage that was minted. Uh, the, the Greek word for it is leptin. And basically what it was, it was worth one 128th of a day's wage. So a day's wage was a denarius. Well, a mite was one 128th of a day's wage. And so all these people are putting their coins into the offering boxes, and it's clanging as it goes down. And this one woman comes in and puts in her two little coins, and it just kind of goes, ding, ding. And Jesus notices, and he turns to his disciples, and he says, that was the greatest gift that was given to the Lord today. And it was barely enough for her to go out and buy some bread. In fact, the Bible says it was all she had that day. She basically gave her daily bread to the Lord. You know, I know that a lot of us at different times in our life wrestle with this idea of the principle of the tithe. I recognize it. I go through it myself sometimes. I, I do. I, I sometimes think I go, are you serious, Lord? You want me to give 10% of all that you've given me? Are you crazy? Do you ever have these conversations with the Lord? In fact, one of my favorite stories of generosity, it comes from another pastor. His name was Dr. Chriswell. He's from Texas. I think he's with the Lord now, but he once did this message on growing in stewardship, and he told this true story of this interaction that he had with this man in church. And he said, one day this man came in, he talked to me, he was telling me how his life in the Lord had kind of become a little bit stale, and he was feeling distant from the Lord. And he says, well, tell me more about what you're going through. He said, well... You know, when I was a young man and I first started getting a job, I was making $1,000 a month and I thought I was so wealthy and with joy and with gladness, I wrote out that check for $100 at the end of the month and just gave it to the Lord for his kingdom work. He says, but then I got a few more hours and I started making $5,000 a month. He says, and with joy and gladness, I wrote out a check for $500 at the end of the month and just was just so excited about what the Lord was doing in his kingdom. He says, but then I started my business and it took off. And before you knew it, I was making $50,000 a month. And pastor, it was difficult, but I wrestled with it, but I wrote out that check for $5,000 to the church. But lately, these last few years, my business has taken off across the nation, and I am making like three times that, and I cannot bear the idea of writing out a check that large to the church. 
And Pastor Griswell looked at him. He says, okay, I knew what we need to do. We need to pray about this. And he got down. He kneeled with this man. And he began a prayer like this. Oh, Lord, I just pray for this man that you will reduce his income to a level <laughs> where he can be faithful unto you again. Do you see Malachi 3.10 as nonsense or as a joy and an invitation into the blessing of Jesus Christ? Because God wants to open windows and he wants to pour out blessings and he wants us to put him to the test on it. And I don't know what he'll pour out for you. I simply know he will. In the way he wants, when he wants, and it will be for his glory, and it will be a blessing. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you down a blessing for you until there's no more need. I cannot say that verse one more time without saying a huge, huge thank you to all of you who trust God with the principle of the tithe to support the ministries of Encounter Church. I praise God for you. The leadership of this church praise God for you. And Sundays like last Sunday, they are a snapshot of what God is doing through your generosity. And we are in this room today. We are. And there are ministries that go on all week long around this community and around the world because of your generosity. And I want to thank you for trusting God in the principle of the tithe. It is truly opening windows. It is opening windows in the lives of babies and children and students and adults from Ventura to Ojai to Oxnard to Costa Rica to Thailand to Central Asia for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the ministries of encounter have continued, and not only continued, but even flourished after a season of challenge. And so I thank you for your continued faithfulness, because God is opening windows. May we just say, thank you, Lord. And God is birthing a new season at encounter. And may the Lord continue to work a wonder among us for gospel impact. I want to share something with you that I'm just inviting you to pray about and be a part of. Uh, it's something that we're calling Reset, uh, our end-of-the-year giving campaign. And I want to take a moment just to invite you to pray about being a part of some goals that we are trusting God for as a church as we finish this year financially and begin a new year of ministry and here's how I want you to think about it. Basically, three goals, and there's like good, better, and best that we're just asking the Lord to do. And our first goal would be that in the month of December, essentially, 
that there would be some extra end-of-the-year giving that would allow us as a church family to receive about $250,000 through the offerings of our church during that month. To put that in perspective for you, uh, basically as an average over the last six months, this is not an exact number, but it's pretty close, uh, but on an average, we've been having the Lord provide about $125,000 a month, and so 250 would be double that in December in the end-of-year giving. And we shared about a month ago how we've been at having about a $15,000 a month deficit. So there's been about $15,000 a month more in expenses than income. And basically, if $250,000 are giving, it just wipes that out instantly and positions us uh, to have a greater freedom as we enter 2023 uh, for all kinds of ministry. And God can do that encounter. He can and yet if God were to take us a little bit further and provide $350,000 as we close the year, really what that would do is allow us to finish the year financially strong and begin a new year ministry strong and have all kinds of new opportunities of how we can reach our community for Jesus Christ. And I want you to know uh, that I consider 2023 to be our reset year. I do. I do. I believe that he has new things ahead for his church at Encounter. And that he wants us to trust him together as we clarify some new dreams that we trust him for for years to come as a church family. And part of what would help us to do that would be to pay off this thing called a mortgage. Uh, you are sitting here in this building by the, by the blessing of so many people who give, have been giving for years uh, for the mortgage that it took to build this building. And as of December, when we hit December, there'll be about $100,000 left in that. And so if we had $450,000 come in in December, we could not only finish the year financially strong, begin the year ministry strong, but we could just retire the entire mortgage of the church. Wouldn't that be exciting? That is a God-sized goal. We'll, we'll clap the Lord for that. And basically what I'm suggesting to you is that every dollar that comes in in December, over 350000 goes towards retiring that debt. And so I want to ask you to prayerfully be a part of that. And here's how I want you to think about it. I just want you to, if you're married, talk to your spouse about it. Uh, if you're, you, know, you have roommates, just talk to each other about it. And just pray, God, what's my part in this? And, and think about it in this way. If you're not doing anything right now, just start doing something. And become a, what I like to call a priority giver. Well, you just give on a regular basis to the ministries of encounter and just begin to trust God in that arena and just explore what the Lord will do in your life through that. And if you're already doing something, then begin to do something significant and become a percentage giver. And this is where you begin to trust God with the principle of the tithe. And maybe you really can't do 10% right now, that's okay, but start somewhere and pick a percentage and begin to trust God for it on a regular basis. Maybe it's 4%. Maybe it's 2.5%. It really doesn't matter. It's just you having that talk with the Lord and letting him give you a number as you follow him. And, and if you're already doing something significant, then do something sacrificial. And just ask the Lord, you know, what would you have me be that sacrificial? And, and live in the same heart as this woman who is in Mark chapter 12. She gave sacrificially with a heart of worship and love. She gave the largest gift. She gave the best gift in those two coins. And God can do that. And so as we close the year together, would you be praying with me that this would be a reset moment for us? And that we can finish this year financially strong. 
And would you pray a God-sized dream with me that we could retire the entire mortgage and go into the 2023 year debt-free as a church family? And just ask the Lord what your part in that may be. And ask the Lord how we can be a part of it. And any and by the way, you might think, well, how do I do this? Uh, it's really easy, all right? Because basically anything you do that's more than what you've already been doing gets counted towards this, all right? And the way you give it is just through the normal general giving of the church, the general fund. And uh, we will be sharing about this a little bit here and there as we close the year. But I promise that I will come to you in the new year and just let you know what God did through you as a church family. As we, because we want to end the year financially strong and begin the year ministry strong. Because we have a God who loves to open windows, amen? And he resets our life every day by his grace. Finally, giving connects our character to God's heart, verse 43. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So this woman gave everything she had to give that day, and the Lord saw it. And just like any other act of obedience in our life, you know, any time that we obey the Lord, it brings our character in line with God's heart. And whenever we give, whether it's through our time, our talent, our treasure, or our touch, it's always a vivid reminder that this life we live is all about God and not about us. Amen? And it's a way to say to ourselves and to the Lord and to the world around us that this is all about Jesus. It really is. And he connects our hearts to the things that God cares about. I think Jesus said it best, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, I believe with all of my heart that that woman, who is never named in Scripture, understood perfectly the promise of Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. And the Bible says she gave out of her poverty, she gave her whole heart. And in God's economy, you can be destitute and be the most worshipful, generous person in the room. Because giving connects our circumstances to God. And giving connects our finances to worship. And giving connects our character to God's heart. And I find it really fascinating that we don't know whether this woman's circumstances change this side of heaven. We, we don't know. But I can guarantee you this. Her generosity opened windows into her heart, into heaven, and into the joy of being a part of the greater kingdom work that she got to be a part of. And someday, when I get to heaven, I'm going to find her. Because <laughs> I want to hear the rest of her story. Because she was the freest, richest person in church that day. Let's pray. Lord, we don't know her name, but we thank you for the example of this courageous woman that caught your heart 
and caught your sight, Lord. And Lord, we just pray that we'll have our heart, whatever that means in, in our circumstances. And Lord, I just thank you that you see people's circumstances today. Lord, you know those and what everybody is facing. Would you encourage them? Would you meet them? Would you be their great provider? And Lord, we just give you our reset end of the year goal. And we just are praying for a reset moment. Lord, we give it to you. It's a God-sized goal, but we ask you to lead us in how we can be a part of it. And we give 2023 to you. And we pray that you would guide us as a church together to dream some God-sized dreams that we can live for and follow after with all of our hearts as a church family. We love you, dear Jesus. We ask your blessing today. In Jesus' name, amen.